Kids are cute, aren't they not? Well, happy Mother's Day. I feel like I just found out what you need, socks and measuring cups. I never knew you needed socks so bad. Well, I, I'm Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. And if you have been invited by a friend, or if it's your first time of just finding our church and, and deciding to join uh, our service today, I want to thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. Um, today, we're normally in this series of uh, Hebrews, but we decided for Mother's Day to break and do a special message kind of around Mother's Day, but even for everyone in the room. And then we'll pick up our series in Hebrews next week. Because I don't know if we wanted to talk about, you know, um, all the ins and outs of, uh, uh, of the sacrificial system on Mother's Day, right? Although you sacrifice greatly in your lives. Um, so I just, first of all, want to say, you know, Mother's Day, yes, we celebrate our moms uh, but there are so much more. There are many of us in here that are not a mom or have not had the chance to be a mom or decided not to be a mom um, that have this mothering heart. There are many of in he you in here, um, your kids are grown and you're mothering young, young kids now. You are being the grandmother to your grandkids or to someone in your life that you say they could really use a, 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 a woman in their life um, just to love on them and care for them. And so there are many ranges to celebrate in Mother's Day. And we also, yeah, just want to say thank you for what you do. Uh, you know this, you realize this quickly when you began to know men. Men are dumb. We don't know what you know, okay? I'll put it on the table there. Y you are better people than we are, and, uh, and we cannot deny it. Uh, we thank God for you, and we thank God for uh, how he made you and shaped you to bring a light and a color and a compassion and, and, a, and a peace into a home that um, wouldn't exist without you. So um, we thank you. Every Mother's Day, I always go through, and I like to find, like, what are people getting people for Mother's Day? How, what are some fun things I think I've seen parents experience? And so I always will kind of go through and, and they, they kind of bring a little bit of joy to your heart and they kind of make your home relax a little bit because not everybody delivers on Mother's Day all the time. Am I right, children and dads? We don't always get it right. You're nervous on Mother's Day because you don't know exactly what to do. And so you try your best. And so here's a few uh, examples of people who try and they don't quite make it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't shake your head, moms, if this has happened to you. It's probably pretty traumatic on Mother's Day. But you take it with such grace. And, 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 and you know, unfortunately, men aren't as uh, uh, um, kind or patient with that. But you have this heart to just appreciate what, what you did have. I was reading, and there's this girl, uh, she's a teenager, and she wanted to cook for her mom, and she wanted to do baking, because her mom's teaching her how to bake, and so she wanted to surprise her on Mother's Day with her cake, and when she brought the cake out, she it, it came out just like this on Mother's Day, a beautiful work of art for mom. <laughs> It, it, it was uh, quite interesting. And then, then there's a son, and you know this son. There's always this son who waits to the last minute. He doesn't know what to do. He goes, and he waits in a long line, and he gets a card, and you can throw it up. He found a card, but it was for someone who had lost somebody. But he decided to edit it. He said, how often we laugh, how deeply we love, 
how much we cared. Sorry for your cross-out loss and for the pain of childbirth. Thank you, Mother. Aaron, he loves you forever, Mom. This one family tried to do Mom's, uh, uh, you know, things that she does for them. And so the dad and the mom, the kids decided to do take something off of Mom's plate. And this is what it turned out to look like. It, it was laundry. But the cool thing is, as you look at the photo closer, they at least opened the door to let all the water out. So that was really, really nice gift. This, was a, uh, uh, this next was a gift that I came across. I just didn't know how to process it. First, I was concerned, and I thought, you know what? A mom is loved so much that they'll take this gift, and they will treasure this gift. Can you throw this up on here? This was a gift. These are pillows. <laughs> Because they, they wanted their mom to sleep, sleep with them. They're scary, but I'm sure she was like, oh, you're so sweet. This is one of my favorite cards. Little Brendan worked really hard, and he wanted to write what he most was thankful for for his mom that he couldn't have without her. And he wrote this, thank you, mom, for making me food so I don't die, Brendan. <laughs> That is, I mean, if you think about it, if you really read into it, that is absolute gratitude. He is saying, you make me live, Mom. This was a meme that came across. I thought it was pretty funny. You can put it up. It says, when you realize you're not getting a gift, and this little girl filled out, what do you love most? I'm oh, sorry. If you could buy your mom anything, what would, you, what would it be? And she said, she doesn't need anything. <laughs> little Emma, she doesn't know. But I started looking at the card more, and, you know, the common question is, you know, what is your mom really good at? Cooks. What does your mom do to relax? Has a grown-up drink with water later. <laughs> what? <laughs> Little Emily, she's been paying attention too much. Uh, how old is your mom? 14. Now, that's the gift that keeps giving, right? <laughs> All year long. Moms, you... Uh, you, you take in the, 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 the best efforts that people can give you, but don't even do justice to what you do. Thank you for what you do. You are uh, a living light in our life, and so we appreciate you. Moms, you are patient. You are loving. You sacrifice, and you are always hopeful, you know, for the kid that everyone's like, why do you root for him so much? You're like, he's my son. You know what I'm talking about, right? That, that was me. Uh, you are sowing seeds in your heart. Uh, that you, that are pure love, you're sowing these seeds. And this is such a biblical principle of what you do. And if you feel like, man, I haven't seen the growth, why isn't, uh, why is what I'm doing enough? You, you don't realize the power of seed and growth in, in, in what you're planting in those who love you uh, in their lives. Even if you do not see the full bloom yet, you will see it grow. You, you, many of you could raise your hand and say, uh, I wondered about if these seeds that I was planting in my kids' lives ever will manifest. And then at some point in your life, you start to see it grow. And one day, they'll acknowledge you for it. I don't know when, but it will come. And then you'll be like, oh, thank you, even though you're like, I know. Right? You know what I mean? So it, it, it will come. I think of you when I think of this passage in Scripture, Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if you do not give up. It, it, it is hard in sometimes this selfless, sacrificial effort that you put forward in many of the people that love you's life 
But if you do not give up, you will reap. You will not fail in this. I think that's a passage for moms. And, and uh, we all as a church, and I'm sure your families, um, want to thank you for your efforts that you've put in. You are not perfect, and we know it. We don't tell anybody, though. And you make sure your kids don't tell them anything about me. But you, no, you're not perfect. But you are as, as good as it gets. And so we appreciate you. So let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for all of uh, the love that we have received from those around us. Some of us, even if we did not have a mother, we have had mother figures in our lives. God, you've brought them into our lives to give us that love. And God, some of us, we may not have experienced having a child yet, but God, you've given us the same very heart that we can, we, we give to so many people they experience in our life. And God, some of our mothers uh, have passed. And God, I just ask that today is a day of just uh, gratitude for what we have been placed in our life, that we are actually the living bloom that they've placed the seeds in our life a long time ago. And we thank you so much for them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, when I was thinking about this message in particular, uh, and, and why I think it's important to talk about, especially I think today, is we, we tend to, I think in life, and I don't know if you would identify with this, but we tend to see uh, a, a lot more of what we do not have in life versus what we have right in front of us. Does that resonate with anybody? We can get distracted by, we, 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 we should have this, or, or I should be like this, or my kids should be like this, or I, uh, I shouldn't be driving this, I should be having this, or uh, look at those people, they're doing so much more, and we're just this. And so we can constantly have our eye looking at something else and missing completely currently what we have. We can do it uh, 100% with what we're driving. If you've ever driven a car that you are not grateful for, you will constantly lust over other cars, right? Am I right? You look next door like, oh, it must be nice. They look happier than I do. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I bet you they go home and their life is just so perfect. And you look around your car, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're, you're in a car that's taking you down the road <laughs> that took people days to travel, which is nothing to you. But it's hard sometimes when we're always looking out. We can do it with our job. We can do it in our house. We can do it, unfortunately, even with our spouses of like, I don't know. Jenny's husband, Bob, now that's a man. <laughs> Don't think those thoughts. They're not great. But then, you know, my guy is, uh, you know, but like we can get our eyes somewhere else because of what we think we should have and we lose sight of what we have. Our friends, and I even hate to say this on Mother's Day because mothers would never think this, but our kids were like, why can't you be like Jenny's kid? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that, that, that little Tommy, he's such a wonderfully well-behaved. You should hang out with Tommy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you're just like, I wish you could be more. I w it's tough. And maybe even with your own parents, you, they did what they did. They, could, they were the best they could. But maybe it was like, I wish they were more. Right? We all have this in our life. We, we completely lose sight of the present of what we currently are living in. And we miss out on... I believe one of the greatest uh, gifts that God has given us to focus on, and we lose sight of it. And the world wants you to get your eyes off of what you currently have and the gratitude of what you currently have because it constantly wants you to want more. 
But with God, it's not that way. He's constantly directing us about what we have. And he constantly works with what we have. I would ask for an amen, but I'm hoping you know what I'm talking about. This is, this is what he will work with. He will most likely not bring something in and then say, now, okay, I have something for you. You can work with this now because I couldn't work with you before, but now you're workable. He will work with what you have and what you bring to him. We're always looking for more, though. This is why Jesus was delivered up on the cross, because Jesus was not enough. He, they wanted something better, something greater. So Jesus then was not enough. We struggle with this, and God is constantly trying to bring us back to the point of, let's look at what you do have, so you can live in that, and God can do something through it. You miss out on what God wants to do when you are constantly looking for other things. Now, I'm not talking about giving up on your dreams or goals or visions, not at all. I think I'm talking about something about missing out on this practice, this great spiritual practice that shapes our, our life. It, it opens, actually, this practice opens the door for God's blessing in your life. I'll give you an example. If you were to say, if you were to constantly, you know, I gave you something and you constantly complained about it. And I was like, but, but, but like, I, I gave that to you. And you're like, I know, but it's just not great. It's just not as good as this. If I had this, it would be better. And, and if you were a person who came to me and, and I gave you the same thing and you're like, man, this has been such a blessing in my life. When it came time, if, if either were to come to me for even more, or if I was looking and I wanted to give more, who do you think I would go to? Those who understand and appreciate what they have and what has been given. And what God has given us is a gift. That's how his blessing comes through us. I titled this message, More Than Enough. And, and, and the, the, the idea behind this whole message is God always meets you with what you have. He will always meet you with what you have. I remember when we planted the church and uh, many of you were there. Maybe, maybe if you can even give me a show of hands. Who was there in the first month of when we planted the church? You are amazing. You have stuck around. You've watched me age. Oh, my gosh. When I think about that first time, we knew we were going to come here and plant the church. We're not from Long Beach, and so we drove 1,000-plus miles to come here and plant the church. And when we were driving, I had a commitment from Chad and Sarah, and uh, our family was walking out in faith. And we had a huge, 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 huge donation to start us off of $500 to start the church. And we were driving out in a U-Haul. And I remember when our U-Haul broke down in the desert. And I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I? I have ruined my life. You know those moments? Why did I trust you, God? Why? I didn't. This isn't God. Obviously, the devil let me out here for vultures. This is bad. My family's going to die here. And I remember having that freak out moment. And every time, like, we met God with what we had, 
He always like delivered. It, it was like an unbelievable thing. And from the moment we started the church, he, he just said, I'm going to meet you with what you have. And, and we didn't have a lot, but, but, but he met us there. He was very, very faithful. That's what he does. I've talked to so many guys, in, in, even just in the same vein of church planting, who planted churches with a half of a million dollars. I personally know them who planted. I'm like, a half of a million? I had 500. And they're like, what? How did you do it? I'm like, I, I, I don't. God did it. Their, their churches don't exist anymore. They're not here anymore. And we still are. I just think, and nothing against them. It was sad for the congregation. But God just met us where our faith was at. We met us with what we had. He brings blessing through what we currently have, where you are currently at, and, and, and who you currently are. We always think God will bless us when we're something else, when we're better than we are now, when we are in a better position in life, and then, then we will receive God's blessing. But now he made you right where you're at in all those areas, and then he adds to your life. I'll give you just a few examples, and I'll read a few stories, and we'll close. But the idea of where God will use where you're at and who you are and, and, and what he has is you, is the restoration of creation. God has invited you, you, to come along with him in restoration of creation. You're not. He could wait for somebody better. There is people better, but he asked you. He works with who you are. The gospel being spread, that's our oikos principle Chad was talking about, is that God is using you to spread the gospel to those who you know. He's not bringing somebody else in. He's using you. He will use you right where you are and who you are to reach people through the gospel. It's a huge privilege. Calling, when you feel called to something, he's calling you. Now, think about this with calling. If calling is something that is a calling, it doesn't, it doesn't increase, it doesn't change, it's a calling to do something. He calls you at the state of which you were, and the calling is the same to the point which you will change over time in maturity and growth and the calling. But the calling is the same, and where you started is where the calling was not where you would finish and then you're called. He called you way before you were qualified to be called. Moses, he showed up with God with what he had. He had a staff and he had a stutter. And that's what God used. David showed up with a sling and some sheep. And that's what God used. We, we have to get away from this idea that, 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 that I must be better. I need more. I, I must have more. And we take our eyes off of the very thing that God will use in our life because it is for his glory, not for our glory, of which he will bring blessing. Some of the best examples in Scripture are women who do this well. Men, we should pay attention because they come to God with what they have faithfully. And they see it way before men. God has to talk, talk women in Scripture so much less into following and trusting. It's a gift that you have that we, we should learn from. And some of the best examples of this trust, of this, I'll give, you know, God, you're more than enough. And I have more than enough. And you use what I got. 
And there are three definitely inspiring scriptures and stories. You probably will know them. These aren't great moments of epic faith that changed the whole course of everything. They're, they're great moments of someone who, who, who understands who God is and sees what they have in his hands and what he can do with it. They're incredible stories. One of them is single. Two of them are mothers. Two of them are widows as well. But God meets them with what they had. And they experience his blessing. <clears throat> and it is a more than enough blessing. The first woman in this story, and there'll be three, and I'll just read through them and we'll talk about them for a minute, is the bold mother. This story is about a bold mother. I love this story. Because it's a, it's a woman who's like, uh, excuse me. Do you know this woman? Are you this woman? They're not going to put up with just getting walked over. They're not going to put up with it. They've got a family to think about. They're going to raise their hand and be like, excuse me, God. What about me here and my family? I love this person. And we've met people like that. They're not afraid to speak up. They're not afraid to call God and say, I know you can do what you can do. And I'm speaking up on behalf of my family. This is a bold mother. 2 Kings 4, 4. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah. Now he was one of them that was killed. And he was one of the prophets with Elijah. So he knows her husband. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, her husband. But the creditors has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now, in ancient world, when a creditor came, they would take the house and that they needed more of what they owed. They took their children and they enslaved them. It was very customary. She was going to lose her entire family. <clears throat> Everything that she loved. And she said, your servant has nothing uh, 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 sorry, it goes on to say verse 2. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Now, but Elijah asked probably the question God is asking of us. Well, what have you in your house? This is the best question. It's the best reflective question. What have you in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And I think that's our first response when, when we're in, in, in a tough spot and we're like, but the, nothing is good here, God. And he's, and he's asking us to just recall what do you do have. Take your eyes on the nothing, but the accept. But I, I, except I have this. And I think that's what he was waiting for was that accept. Then he said to her, go outside and borrow some vessels uh, from your neighbor's. Empty the vessels, not too few, meaning get a lot of these empty vessels, right? So, and go out and shut the door behind yourself and uh, you and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him. She shut the door behind him, uh, behind herself and her sons, and she poured. Uh, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he said to her, there is not another one. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said to her, Go sell the oil, pay the debts, and you and your sons can live uh, uh, on the rest. Such a great story. Because it was her boldness that prompted the, 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 the call to God for help. But then it was God asking, like, what, what, what do you have in your house? What can I work with? 
Now, we know God. God could do anything. God could, uh, all of a sudden, a whole line of, of goats and sheep could show up. But he asked her what she had, and this is what she offered. I think sometimes our first answer is, like, I have nothing, God. And he's like, mm, think about it a little harder. And then we have the, oh, I accept this. That's right where God wants you to be. Not looking at what you do not have, but looking at what you do have. And God, that is the avenue of which blessing, I think, comes through. And I think the question to ask ourselves is, what's in my house? What do I have? Now, I know I've been complaining about everything I don't have, but what do I have around me? But I don't have this, I don't have that, except I do have this, and then God's blessing, he will use that. I think seeing what we have instead of what we don't have uh, is the uh, pinnacle of gratitude. And gratitude, it, it, it literally changes our lives, and it's a spiritual principle that, 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 that um, puts us at peace, calms all the distractions around us, fights off the, the, the keeping up with the Joneses or looking at others, and it just lets us appreciate what we have. That's right where God wants you to be, the bull mother. She's a great example of it. It's a great story. Then there's the woman of worth. I, it's the only way I could th think to title her. She's a single woman, and she's a woman who, who, who understands worth in life. And she brings what she has, and, and because what she brings, the very thing she has that gave her worth, she could do what she did because she understood her worth through Jesus. Mark 14 uh, verse 3, and while he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was uh, reclining at the table. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of uh, uh, anointment of pure nard, very costly. Uh, this is the only time in Scripture I feel like, um, maybe I see it differently than you, where I feel like uh, Donald Trump wrote this verse. Pure nard, very costly. Like it was like, the Bible doesn't phrase things like this, so I had to read it a couple of times. Like, it's the best nard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just cracked up when I had to reread. I was like, what? Pure nard, very costly. This, so this nard was extremely expensive and the best. And um, with, with, what, she, what it was to her, if you don't know the back story, is that she was a, a, a successful in her uh, profession as a prostitute. This is Mary Magdalene, most people believe. She had a load of issues in her life, but the perfume, this ointment, was her calling card. It was her signature. It was very expensive. It was what uh, her customers knew her by, and this was a sense of like what brought her value in life. And so she brought this flask. But what I like about it is what she did with the flask. She broke the flask and she poured it over Jesus' head. Now, uh, there's a lot of things happening here. She is taking the very thing that was shame in her life, the thing that actually was what gave her value and what people saw her as valuable for. It represented that. And she takes it and she breaks it and pours it over Jesus' head. No longer to be filled again that way. But she breaks it and anoints Jesus. 
And there were some there who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? Can you imagine saying that? Why did you waste that on Jesus? There was a value that she possessed that these disciples did not. She was much further along than they were. She was way ahead of the pack. It says, for this ointment could have been used or sold for more than 300 denarii to give to the poor. See, she wasted it on Jesus. Don't you know how valuable that is? And even what we're thinking is doing good. This was a year's worth of wages to them. Poured over Jesus' head in seconds. What a waste to them. They did not understand value. She did understand value. And so they, it's a verse 5. It says, for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. And they scolded her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? And listen to what Jesus says. You want him to say this about you. She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you, always, for, for you always have the poor, and whenever, whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She understood value and where she found her value. And it goes on to say, she has done what she could. Oh, that, that's such a beautiful part. She brought to me what she had. She brought what was her value and now has anointed me and because she knows what true value is. She did and she has done what she could. She has anointed my body before burial and truly I say to you, now this is the greatest compliment you could get from Jesus. I say to you, <clears throat> whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, she, what she has done will be told in her memory of her and we're doing that now. This was such a great moment of someone who understood what value was. She used what she had. It's a beautiful moment. What brought her worth in this world, I think, was now offered to Jesus, and it changed her life. If you know her story, she was a pivotal part of Jesus' ministry. She was a pivotal part of the foundation of the church. She was one who believed strongly. She led the charge. She walked in faith. She had a new identity. Her value was now no longer in these other things of which we place value. It put those things in the proper place because she knew her value. She saw definitely external value differently because she understood her internal value. And that is a deal. That's when you come to Jesus with what you have because you see your value in him and not around these things around you so you can truly understand value. It orders it correctly. I was reading this story <clears throat> about a, a, one, probably one of the most influential people uh, in the United States. Most people wouldn't even know her. She's in the top 100 for sure. We're at the Capitol building in Sacramento or even in San Diego or at USC uh, down there. And then or if you were in the United States Capitol, you'd see her bust there. And it, it is a lady named Sojourner Truth. Her name was uh, Isabel before. She was born a slave. Her parents were slaves. And she married another slave and had children 
and she lived a very, very tough life when you hear her journey. She would listen to scripture. She couldn't read, but she would listen to it. She memorized great portions of the Bible just by hearing it. Um, she eventually would, escaped, and, um, but couldn't take her children and because uh, you couldn't take them, especially during the time where uh, things began to change in law. And you, you, the children had to stay until they were 19. And then they could be released. So she had to go around and she began to campaign. Uh, she's the first African-American woman to ever win a lawsuit to get her child from being illegally sold. She fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. She used what she had, even though it would have gone a lot further if she had just a different skin color. She didn't care. She fought and fought and fought. And why she changed her name to Sojourner Truth, she says, is because one is she wanted her name to represent her life mission, which was, one, I will be on the move to travel and go bring the truth to people. She uh, highly influential in, during that time for women's movement and for abolition. She's a powerful figure. Never let her say, oh, if I was only this, I would be more impactful. If I was only a man, I could speak for this for women and fight for it. She did it as herself. This was a woman who knew her value internally and not by external value at that time that was placed upon people on their color or their gender. She's a powerful figure of someone who, when you know your internal value, it sets things differently in the world. You see things differently. You understand more than enough. Is Jesus your worth is a good question to ask. Is he more than enough? Has value been redefined in your life or is, is value a little out of whack in our life? We should ask these questions questions. The last woman I think who led a, a great uh, example for us was, I'll call her the woman of faith. She, she had faith that's beyond probably most of ours. She's a great example. Uh, 1 Kings 17 uh, verse 8, uh, Elijah's uh, uh, mentor, Elijah, uh, experiences this. The word of the Lord came. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. Arise and go to Zarephath, and which belongs to Sidon. Now, this person is in in, in in his range of influence. This is somebody outside. This is somebody who has to completely trust when he arrives. And what you may not know is, he, Elijah said God was going to bring a drought and a famine will come for three years, and the rains will cease. And the waters were dry up. As a matter of fact, the story even happens because Elijah was planted by a stream of which birds brought him food and water was running. He would drink from the stream and it dried up. And he is now, God's like, go, I have somebody, something prepared for you. And so this whole drought was from his prophecy. And now he's going to encounter somebody who's experiencing this drought at a great level. But she still trusts. He says, Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, Bring me a liter of water in a vessel, or, sorry, or a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, how audacious of him. He walks up 
They're in a drought. He has run out of water, which means there's probably water nowhere. And he says, give me some water. Now, I don't think he's being a chauvinist. I don't think he is being a mean person or a selfish person. He is bringing something powerful into the story. He didn't need to go get it through this person, but she is being invited into something greater through this. And as she was going to bring it, he called and he said to her, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now, this is a little over the top. Oh, by the way, can you fetch me some of the food you don't have? And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Now, listen to this phrase. This is when you bring all you have. This is all you have. You got nothing else, but you do have this. She says, I have nothing to pay, but only a handful of flour. Remember the only. We can say these things. But I only have this. Uh, the flour in a jar. And a little oil in a jug. I have only in a little. Okay, God, like, this is a big ask. And now I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. <laughs> No one has ever been in this place. I hope not in this room. This is a tough place. If we can put ourselves in her shoes, it would be hard to trust God in that moment, would it not? Like, wait, what? You want? We're, this is our last meal. And you want a cut of it? So this is the audacity of God, actually, not Elijah. And Elijah said to her, Don't, do not fear. Right? Uh, go and do as, uh, uh, as you have said, right? Go bake it and make it. But first, <laughs> but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And then afterwards, make something for yourself when your son and then die. <laughs> what? I, I love the audacity of, I'm sure this was very offensive to people who read it thousands of years before us. This is a hard story to take. But the story isn't about the audacity of Elijah. It's about the, the, the audacity of God to elevate somebody who brings what they have. Right? It's an example of who God is in the midst of when we feel like we have nothing. Right? And he says, uh, thus says the Lord God, right? And then go and then, uh, 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 but first make me a cake and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, God, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be emptied until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and she did it, as Elijah said. And she and her, she and he, sorry, sorry, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. Now this famine was for years she would have been gone a long time ago with her and her family but it was her her bringing what she had and notice that god didn't bring more than what she had do you know what i'm talking about he he, he multiplied what she had she brought what she had and he worked with what she had and that that's what we have to sometimes remember is to look at actually what we have and bring it to god and say god what can you do with this i'm trusting you in faith I'm going to stop looking at what I don't have. I'm going to look at what I do have, and I'm going to bring it to you. This woman was a woman of extreme faith and trust, and God met her faith 
right where she was at. Uh, Ruth Graham uh, said this great thing about mothers. She has a great book about mothers. And she said this, we mothers must take care of the possible and trust God for the impossible. Is that not a great statement? You, can, you have to take care, you can only take care of what you have, but you're going to have to trust God with the impossible, things that are beyond your ability, things that we would say, why not God? Why is that happening? You have to just say, God, I trust you with the impossible. I'll work with the possible. I'll give you what I have as the possible to do the impossible. And I think the question from her story, this woman of faith, is will you trust God with your onlys and the littles? Will you trust him with it? Can you see the onlys and the littles as he does? Can you bring that to him? Because we'll never bring it to him if we're always looking for God, bring something else. And he's saying, bring what you have to me, and I'll do something great with it. If you trust me with it, uh, I'll close with this final statement. Listen to this. This is a statement of thankfulness, and, it'll, and then it'll be a statement of gratitude. Psalms 126, 1. This is David's celebratory return to, uh, to, to Jerusalem, where God has returned him from exile. And it says this. Listen to how he describes it as he describes the moment that it happened. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then he said among the nations, we said among the nations, the Lord has done these things for them. That is thankfulness. Thankfulness is appreciation for what has happened that you say thank you. And in some ways, that's just common courtesy. That's just good manners. Gratitude is a very different thing, which each one of those stories had unlock gratitude and listen to the very next verse after he says how we were so thankful when this happened but then he gets to how it happened psalms 126 5 those who sow in tears shall reap in joy in the hard moments in the tough moments when it feels like everything is lost and you're still sowing and trusting god in tears you will have shouts of joy <clears throat> i like it that the that the celebration came first, and then we know how it happened. He goes out weeping, bearing the seeds of sowing, but he is still sowing. He shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing sheaves with him, meaning bundles of the harvest with you. We, we have to remember that the, the, these are the moments where God meets you, and then he reveals his glory through the moments of sowing in difficulty, not in the great times, in the hard times. This is from the mouth of the very person who wrote and who understood gratitude at a deep level. Not just thankfulness, gratitude. When you have nothing, it seems like, but you, tr you at least have God. He, when he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will fear no evil. Why? Because your presence is with me. At least I have your presence, even though I have nothing else. I have you, and I'm grateful for that. I think the even those are so important in life. Gratitude begins with even though. I may not see it, but I'm grateful for what I do have. And if anything, I at least have you, God. I'm thankful for what I have with you. When you believe that God is who he says he is, right? What you have is more than enough. When you believe he is who he is. 
What you see going on in your family, it's more than enough for God to do. When you believe who he is, who he is. What you are going on with financial, it's, it's, it's more than enough to bring to God and say, God, I'm going to bring this to you in faith. It's more than enough for God to work with. You can name the categories out over and over and over, and it's more than enough. You just have to know and appreciate what you have to bring it to him because he can do great things. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these powerful examples through these women of faith who were bold and brought what was in their house for God to do a blessing, reshaped value so they could actually value things correctly when they had their value in you. And God, for people of faith like this woman who most of us in her shoes would have been furious with you, but she was she knew who you were, and she knew what you could do. And so it was a joyful gift of what she had. And God, I ask that you help us have that mentality of David over and over and over. He sat in gratitude. He appreciated what he had and what wasn't yet because he knows who you are. God, help us be thankful, but yes, God, help us deeply be grateful for not just our mothers and those in our family, but for what you have all around us. We have more than we even know, God. Help us see it for how you see it and not be distracted by all the things that we think we should have, but what we do have because, God, we see it the way you see it and what can come from that. Thank you, God, that you make seeds grow. Only you can do it. And God, I ask that this room experiences a bloom in their life through the sacrifice of, of trusting you with what we have. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me in this last song?